0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm just going to get straight into it tonight. Uh, When I spoke last week, I shared, it was Mother's Day, and I just spoke uh, from Sarah and just said some of the lessons that we could learn from Sarah. And when I was sharing, I just mentioned uh, a point in there. I just said how everybody faces disappointment. Everybody experiences disappointment. There's something common for each and every one of us, and that is we will all face or experience disappointment, and we will also be the perpetrators of disappointment to other people in our life. I said that by pure definition, disappointment means to have an unmet expectation. Now, all of us have expectations. We've all got goals, we've all got dreams. I mean, most of us in this room are aspiring to one day perhaps get married, we're wanting to have a family. Uh, maybe you're just your expectation at this moment is to pass the next test, uh, your expectation to get a job, to be able to maybe develop a career. We all have expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, so maybe you're not married at the moment, maybe you haven't had success in starting a family, you're struggling to find a job, you're struggling at school and study. When those expectations aren't met, then that's when disappointment rises within us. And the problem is I've seen disappointment take too many people out. I've seen people who have suffered the disappointment of a marriage breakdown I've seen that disappointment of that marriage breakdown weave its way through their life, the very fabric of their life, and really work into all their relationships. I've seen that disappointment sort of sabotage any and every relationship. I'm not even talking marriage relationship, I'm just talking relationships in general. The disappointment of that expectation not being fulfilled has weaved its way in. The same with Pregnancy. Sometimes, if a woman has a difficult pregnancy or um, at the end, like part of my story, when it didn't go as you thought it would plan, then the disappointment of that can rob them of the joy of what they actually have, can rob them of the joy, or maybe even trying and expecting. Again, I've seen uh, people who maybe have made a career choice they thought they'd be really good at, but they've struggled. They've gone to university. This is what they wanted to do. They've gone to university. They haven't coped as well. They've had to change. And I've seen that disappointment have an effect on their future where they start to uh, devalue their self-worth and start to really question themselves. Disappointment has really wreaked havoc in the lives of people. And the sad thing is, it's actually no different here in the church I think there's an unwritten law that we have this perception that it's a philosophy or a, um, oh, the word escapes me, but it's a, um, we just think as a Christian, we shouldn't be disappointed. But I've just said that disappointment is unmet expectation. So if you have a mode of thinking that says, well, because I'm a believer, one, bad thing should never happen to me. Or two, because I'm a believer, I should not be disappointed. Then you've got a wrong theology. Because that, what you're literally saying is because you have no expectation. And I think that's more of a problem to think that you've got no expectations of anything than to have disappointment. I do believe, however, that the issue is not that we get disappointed. It's that we don't learn how to navigate disappointment. And for many of us, disappointment robs us of our preferred future. Disappointment keeps us where we were never meant to stay. Many of us have camped in disappointment. And I want to be able to uh, share some keys tonight to help us that we can process disappointment. I saw a um, tweet recently. I know that Twitter gets bagged, but there was a tweet recently where a well-known Christian leader said, Christians need to learn how to process disappointment. If you've got the wrong theology, if you think disappointment shouldn't happen or you think disappointment um, is wrong and so then you can't admit to it and then you can't deal with it, then we've got an issue. So Christians need to learn how to process disappointment. I've seen disappointment shipwreck ministries within the church. Guys and girls who've got great preaching ability. They've got great communication skills. Something has gone wrong and disappointment has set in and they've not found themselves where God has called them and placed them to be. I've seen disappointment wreck future projects. Sometimes God gives somebody an amazing idea and they share it and it sounds great and people get on board. Disappointment sets in and then that project's never fulfilled or never reached because the disappointment has come and robbed that person of that gift and what they're wanting to do. I've seen disappointment in the church ruin relationships. where It's ruined relationships within people within the church, but churches against churches, just disappointment setting in. And ultimately, I've seen disappointment affect uh, eternities of good men and good women. And so I just want to share quickly tonight just on how we can develop or how we can process disappointment. Does that sound like a good idea? Oh, awesome. Awesome. Alrighty. I keep my notes on me because guaranteed when I touch my iPad, I do something wrong. And I just did. That's all right. Got it. So I'll stick to my paper. (laughs) I'm an old school girl. Alrighty. So processing disappointment. The first thing I want you to know about disappointment, because I've done a really good rep to start with. But do you know what? The disappointment is not all bad. There's a purpose to you and I suffering disappointment. You see, when you're disappointed, you're no longer pretending and sadly we live in a world where we would rather pretend than be real that's why you often see I I don't know if you remember uh, there was that um, one of the media ladies who committed suicide overdosed because she just couldn't cope and people are shocked and they're shocked because you know what we have an outside perception of everything's a-okay but inside we're dying and so when you are disappointed, you're actually not pretending. Because see, when you're pretending, you everything's okay, the wall's up, the mask's on, I'm fine. You know, stiff upper, stiff upper lip, everything's cool. And if you've ever been around someone and you know something's not quite right, but you're, you're saying, hey, can, how's things, what, and if nobody will be honest with you, you really can't get in there to help them. The advantage of being disappointed is everybody knows when you're disappointed. Disappointment means you're not pretending. When you're not pretending, help can come. So disappointment's not all bad because, one, you're not pretending. The other thing about disappointment, it lets you know what's important to you. Because you know what? If something happens and it doesn't affect you, it wasn't that important to you. We have a tipping um, competition within the staff. I am right now one from five this week with the worst margin I am on the bottom but I want you to know I'm actually not disappointed because tipping footy ain't that important to me. I really am not disappointed. And you know what? Moggy's only just above me. So, <laughs> But um, on, a, on, a, on a real note, I remember we ha- we've got three kids, three, three kids. And um, we've got a two-year gap between Jordan and Mitch. And when it came to have a two-year gap between Mitch and uh, number three, we kind of went, <gasps> I don't know if I'm ready for that. And the, more, the longer we left it, the more we thought, oh, "I'm comfortable. Kids are out in nappies. We're quite busy with church, and we're quite busy with travel. And you know, they can do their own thing. They can make breakfast. I don't know if I want to go back." We left it. We left it. We left it. We got to a point where we had to say, "You know what? If we're going to have number three, we need to do something about it." And we were umming and ahhing And I just felt God say to me one day, "You know what, Kath? You won't regret you won't regret number three, having number three. But you may regret not." Having number three. So I thought, okay, you know what? So, all right, well, we need to obviously do something about that. Now, with, with our other two children, what you need to know. Now, remember last week I said one of the rules in our family was first time, every time. Well, that also applies to us when, it, when we talk procreation. So um, first two kids, it was like, didn't matter. Well, when it came to the opportunity for um, Bailey, we set ourselves this 12. Am I giving you too much information? <laughs> Sorry. Welcome to Tony's world. Anyway, when it came to um, Bailey, as each month passed... I found out I got more and more disappointed. When it turned at the end of the month and I wasn't pregnant, I was more and more disappointed. Disappointment lets you know what's important to you. I got to the point where I realised, you know what, now it wasn't a matter of, well, I might regret it if I don't, and I would never. It was now, no, you know what, this is important to me. We really want to have baby number three. So disappointment lets you know what's important to you. The other thing about disappointment is it gives you the motivation to grow. You know the saying, you've got, if you want to grow muscles, you've got to use your muscles. When you use your muscles, they grow. Well, disappointment is the same. We need to experience disappointment to help build coping skills. As you experience disappointment, you learn things about yourself, you learn things about the processing of it, and then you get the opportunity to grow. So the next time you face it, you've learned something and you can face it better. I really don't get it. Our seven-year-old BJ plays netball. Now, when I played netball, you had to, now this is many years ago, but you played netball, it was, I think you had to be seven before, legally, legally is not the word, but before the association let you play, they made no compensation for you. You had normal goals, you had, if contact was contact, if stepping was stepping, and we went a whole season and a half, my netball team, goalless. I'm not talking a game, I'm talking a season and a half, goalless. Why, re- why, uh, full forward to 2012 Bailey starts netball, they have this new thing now called netable, so they lower the goal ring okay? lower the goal ring because you know what, it's too hard for them to do the normal 7 foot or 6 foot whatever it is, lower the goal ring apparently stepping doesn't matter because I see Bailey going up like this all the time <laughs> they go to shoot a goal, it's like contact <laughs> my, my daughter's the best at that I can tell you and how's this? They don't score. So even though they score goals, there's no score. But here's the, here is the classic. When the kids come off the court, someone says, who won? There's always one mother who goes, oh, we don't score. Everyone's a winner. I guarantee you, every kid on that court will tell you what the score is. They know. My Bailey, she'll go, 5-2, we won. <laughs> 3-1, we lost. I'm just like, you know what? What are we teaching our kids? I did a season and a half goalless. Look, I'm not warped. You may beg to differ, but it's like, what do we, disappointment? Now, how do you, I know you say, well, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser, but you know what? We're teaching our kids disappointment. You know what? You can't always win. Bailey, you suck today. <laughs> Seriously. Let me tell you this in a season and a half, then we got a goal, but by then, I knew what stepping was. I knew contact. She's been playing three seasons. She still steps and she's still contact. she got no idea. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing to our kids? Now, if you're a parent here tonight, listen to this. Psycho-alys- psychoanalysis D.W. Winnicott says this. If parents were perfect, children would never want anything and never try to do anything new. Yes! Thank you. I succeed. You know what? We're not supposed to be perfect, parents. Take the pressure off. You're not supposed to be per- perfect, because when you're not perfect, you disappoint your kids. And guess what? You teach them something. That it, small, manageable disappointments in life teach us coping uh, coping skills and coping mechanisms so that when bigger disappointments come along in life, because you know what? You teach Johnny that you don't score and it doesn't matter if you step in contact. It doesn't work when Johnny goes to work. And the boss goes, no, you've got a deadline that you've got to stick to. You have a budget that you've got to be on. It doesn't work. Disappointment teaches not all disappointment is bad. Number two, the second thing you need to know about disappointment is disappointment is unique to you. What deeply affects one person may not deeply affect another. The things we feel disappointed about are extremely personal. What disappoints you doesn't necessarily disappoint me. And what disappoints me doesn't necessarily disappoint you. It's extremely personal. And I've sat in my office and I've had uh, mainly women, say their late 30s, deeply disappointed because they're still single. And yet I've had women in their late 40s, conversations with them, single too, but they're not disappointed. Hey, yes, maybe if God saw it that way, I thought I might have been married, but they're not disappointed by it. And I've had 20-year-olds who are like devastated that they're on the shelf because they're still single. It's like disappointed is, uh, disappointment is unique to you. I've, had, I've heard stories of just untold things and you just, I'm shocked when people tell me them. And you know what? There's never a skerrick of disappointment. And then there's someone else and you feel like going, suck it up, princess. Like, Really? But I've learned I can't say suck it up, princess, because disappointment is unique. And if you're disappointed about it, it's because it's important to you. And so you know what? So it doesn't disappoint me, and I think that that's ridiculous. It, it's not about that. It's about it's unique, because what it disappoints me, you're probably looking at me going, well, suck it up, princess, yourself. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Why would you be disappointed about that? Disappointment is unique. You can't say to someone that's not worth being disappointed over, because it's unique them. Thirdly, disappointment is a breeding ground. And now this is a big one. The first, the first culture that the petri dish of disappointment breeds is a spirit of entitlement. When we are disappointed, the first thing, if we don't deal and process our disappointment, the first thing that happens is we develop a spirit of entitlement. And entitlement simply is a belief That we are deserving of something. And so maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're like, you know what? I'm single. I've done the right thing by myself. I've kept myself. And you know, friends, other people who are doing the wrong thing, they're probably too easy doing whatever is, you know, whatever would be. And yet they seem to be, they're the ones who've gone on and got married. They seem to be the ones that have um, gone and had families, and now people are saying, oh, look how nice it all is. And you're sitting there saying, I've kept myself. I've done the right thing. What's in it for me? What's going on, God? You know what? That is a spirit of entitlement. Because can I tell you this? You haven't stayed single so that God can bring you a partner. You stayed single because that's what God has asked of you to do. And we get into when we get disappointed you know what God I wanted a family that hasn't happened we start to get a spirit of entitlement what about all those people who have unwanted pregnancies they didn't want them and look what happens after what about me spirit of entitlement it's like God I would love a family but you know what I am not my own I've been built bought with a price I shared last week about our story with Mitch when I was 18 weeks Pregnant, and they picked up the abnormality in his hand and they were prophesying all sorts of doom and gloom. And I said at the time, You know what? I had an opportunity right there, my petri dish of disappointment. God, this wasn't what I planned. I wasn't expecting to have a pregnancy that had these sort of issues. I wasn't expecting a child to have maybe sometime, whatever at that stage this handicap could be. Right then and there's the opportunity where you can say, Well, God, really? I mean, I'm your daughter. I mean, really, I said last week, I'm the yes girl. You asked me to do this, I said yes. You asked me to do this, I said yes. You asked me to do this, I said yes. You have asked me to do this, I've said yes. And really, all I'm asking is for a healthy baby. It's a spirit of entitlement. Because here, let me tell you this, church. Do you know what we deserve? Romans 3.23 says that all, everyone say all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans six twenty three, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you know what you and I deserve? Death. So if you sit there and say, "But it's not fair. I'm entitled to this. This is what I serve God. I've kept myself pure. I'm giving. I'm serving. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. This is not fair." If you're getting a spirit of entitlement, let me tell you what the spirit of entitlement says. You deserve death. Death, wages of sin is death. That means, it might not be physical death right now, but it's a separation for God. But Romans ten nine says, But for Jesus, that if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, then, then we have a relationship with God. And so you know what? If you're disappointed, cool, you're disappointed. But disappointed, remember, is a breeding ground. And the first thing it breeds is entitlement. But it's not fair. I've kept myself pure and they didn't. But what did you keep yourself pure for? Did you keep yourself pure because God was you going to bargain with God and he's going to give you a husband? That's not the deal. You kept yourself pure because you know what? I'm a living sacrifice. God, you came. I deserve death. I was a sin literally means missing the mark. I was missing the mark. But you sent Jesus so that I could have relationship with him and end up in eternity with him. I'm not getting what I deserve. What I deserve is death. I'm getting more than I deserve. That's what we've got to say to ourselves. A spirit of entitlement robs us of that. We need to remember that whatever your, and I don't want to make light of what your circumstance, because it's real for you, whatever your circumstance and situation, whatever your disappointment is, if your healing, it hasn't come yet. I, I don't know why and I can't answer why. The, the, the desire of your heart, you're so longing to get married and it's the desire, and God says it's the desert, that he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, I can't give you the answers to that. But here's what I want you to know. Lamentation says that Jesus, it says, God is my reward. And we have to get back to the point where we go, you know what, Jesus, you are my reward. It doesn't matter whether you ever give me a husband. It doesn't matter whether you ever give me children. It doesn't matter whether I ever get the job promotion that I'm looking for. It doesn't matter whether I ever get into that course that I'm looking for. It doesn't matter if I ever earn the money that I was desiring or hoping for. It doesn't matter because Jesus, you are my reward reward. Church, we've got to get back to the point of, I'm not bargaining with God. Well, I'll do this if you do that. No, there's no bargaining. It's like God has done it all for us and we just, you know what? We should be grateful that He loves us, that He's made a way for us and our service and our love to, comes out of a love and an acknowledgement of what He's done. If it wasn't for you, Jesus, I would be living apart from God. Entitlement, the spirit of entitlement, we're talking about disappointment being a breeding ground. The spirit of entitlement leads to bitterness leads to self-pity, leads to anger, leads to comparison. All of these are results of being disappointed. When we haven't learned to process disappointment, this is what disappointment breeds within our life. And I'm not saying that feeling them is a problem or even bad. What I'm saying is living there is. And so, you know, there's a scripture in um, Ephesians 4.26. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. It didn't say don't be angry. It says in your anger, don't sin. In your, so we can interject some of these things, that a breeding ground we find in disappointment. We can interject and put in your bitterness, do not sin. In your self-pity, in your anger, in your comparison, in your spirit of entitlement, do not sin. It's not feeling them, it's the problem, it's living in that area, and we need to understand that disappointment is a breeding ground for all of these emotions. And remember, always, Romans 8 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Our emotions are here to enhance our life, they're not here to lead us. And too many of us live as if it's those who are just lost my scripture, those who are led by our emotions. Are children of God. It's not those who are led by our emotions, it's those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We need to work through them, realize that they're a reality and they happen, but let not them um, sideline us. We need to process disappointment because it's an unhealthy breeding ground. And fourthly, here's the good news because you hit me with the good news. The good news is disappointment can be overcome. 1 John 1:9 1, says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness." For us to be able to overcome disappointment, the first key, the first thing we have to do, we've got to identify it. And you've heard it said many times. I've used it in lots of illustrations. You can't treat what you don't know. And so you know what? When it comes to disappointment, we just have to identify it. We have to acknowledge it and go, "You know what? I'm disappointed." This is just disappointment. When I had an expectation that if I did all the right things by my kid, I, my kids, I trained them, I love them, I did this, they would go on for Jesus. There's no guarantees. I pray for them, I'm doing that. But you know what? They're humans and they're going to make their own choices. And so you, you just got to call it and say, you know what? I'm disappointed. We have to identify it. Tony mentioned this morning in his preach how he had a, a rash. I remember when um, I was back at work. My girlfriend, who I worked with, I went on an uh, eight week holiday. And so she had to do uh, what I used to do without me being there. She said, when she was away, her whole body, she broke out in a rash. She said, it was head to toe. And it's cleared up the day I got back. <laughs> and she went to the doctors because she had any sense of stress rest. But you know, when you go to the doctors and you're waiting for this, come and give me the pearl of wisdom because doctors know everything. She said, the doctor went to the shelf got out the big encyclopedia of skin diseases, (laughs) put it on the table, and they sat there for half an hour flicking through the pages to try and compare her rash to what was the picture. I mean, nowadays probably doctors use Google, but it's the same concept. You know what? You've got to identify. He's got to say, actually, let's look at this rash. Let's see what it is. When we identify it, then we know the right process and the right treatment for it. So if we're talking about disappointment can be overcome, we need to identify it. And when we're talking about identifying it, can I encourage you, not just say, I'm disappointed, but let's get to the root issue. Really articulate what is it that is so specific. What is it that disappointed me? Not that maybe, you know what, I'm disappointed because my marriage broke down. I'm disappointed because my partner left me. But maybe go to that point of, you know why I'm disappointed? Yes, I'm disappointed that they left but I'm disappointed because of how that affects my self-worth, how I perceive myself, what well, I now think that I'm less valuable and I'm not love, uh, lovable and I'm not worthy. Identify disappointment, but go further. Articulate what is it about that disappointment for you? Because we want to uh, bring healing to that area and you need to identify it so we know how to treat it. We have a saying where we always say, whatever God reveals, he heals. So not only... Do overcome disappointment by identifying it, but we overcome disappointment by including others. Psalm 139, verse 23, David says, Search me, God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. You know what? It's so obvious and yet it's so foreign, but to include God in your disappointment. You know, recently um, I just went through a personal uh, stage where I was, I was just a little bit disappointed by an outcome of something. And it took me a while to work out what this was. You know, I was like, I didn't want to go to the gym, and you know what, kids said, what's for dinner? I'm like, whatever you make, um, you know, whatever this, whatever that. And you have to arrest yourself and go. You know what, I'm disappointed. And yeah, you know, I got to the point. I thought, how did I get here? And then I thought, and why have it? Why have it? Ta- has it taken me so long? And why haven't I asked God? And it's just Once the light globe goes on, you just go. You know what? You know, kids, here's a baked beans that I told you last week. I'm really good at cooking. <laughs> mummy's going up to her ring because mummy just needs to spend some time with God. Mummy's just got to read. Mummy's got to fill herself. I go say, you know what, God, search me and know me. Because, you know, he knew all along. We're so daft because we're just like, you know, God didn't, God doesn't know. And this little disappointment I'll keep between my just me. And God's like, you know what, verse 2 on Psalm 139 says, Lost my plan. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. We kid ourselves. Oh, God doesn't care. He won't know. It's like, God knows. He knew it before you were going to say it, sister. It's like, no what? God, so I just had to go in my room, my quiet place, and just say, God, I'm first of all, I had to repent. Say, God, I'm really sorry that this has taken a hold of me and I haven't recognized it soon enough and I haven't included you in it. God, will you come and just bring healing to my heart? This area of disappointment. This area that's going to manifest itself in um, a spirit of entitlement. Would you come and do your business on me? So include God. Include church community. I'm a big believer that God places alone in families. But it's not just... Sometimes we read that and we think, oh, he's just talking about the single mom or the dad. No, he places us in family. We're to do life together. There are some great people in this church who could draw alongside and help. You don't have to do life alone. Even with the, with the news with connect groups, you know what? Connect groups aren't we just do it because it's a Christian thing. The connect group is us doing life together because Sundays are great. There's a great opportunity for us to come. We can hear a word and go, ah, I can make adjustment there. I can do that. But connect group is where we do life together. And so if you're sitting there going, well, I don't really have the time for connect group, I have to say to you, you don't not have the time for connect group. If you want life to go smooth and well and you want to do life well, you need to be in a connect group. So that, you know what, you can do life with your neighbours. So you've got a connect group leader. So if something's uh, with you that you need to talk to, you've got someone to go to. That there are people on your right and on your left who want to do life with you. There's some great people with great experiences who can just come alongside. And sometimes it's not what they're going to say to you. It's just the arm around the shoulder. I had an a episode recently and I was in bed with Tony and he said something. And I just bawled like a baby. I just sobbed. And he had no words. I mean, what do you say to, you know, when, when you're know, those snotty crying, you know, like it's, in the end, you've got to sit up because you're like, uh, uh, I can't breathe. It's not that thing. It's like, I'm going to choke. You know what? He didn't say anything. I just, he just had to hold me and say, you know what? Just held me. And sometimes that's, that's what it is. Including others, it's, you don't need their advice so much. It's just like, you're just going to do life with them. He didn't say anything, but I felt better. Sometimes it's better when you don't say anything. <laughs> no. No, don't lose my point. (laughs) Your church community is here to help come back. Sorry. (laughs) To give you the empathy, to give you the encouragement. And you know what, church, sometimes to give you a kick up the rear. Sometimes we just need a bit of a perspective. Just go, you know what? Really come on. That's what we need. It's not about people out to get you. It's just that's what you need at the time. There have been times when I... um, You know, my kids have come home and something's gone down, and there's some times when I've just, it's just the hug. It's just the hug. You know what? I don't need to. And then later on, it might be, here's the lesson. But you know what? Right now, it's the hug. And then other times, it's like, oi, that is a stinky attitude, and that attitude is going to change now. That's what church community does, all right? And it's done in love and it's done in grace. So, and we're talking about including others, and then there's professional help. There's some great counsellors. There's some great people who are trained professionally who can help you if you're feeling that uh, disappointment has got the better of you and you're struggling in that and you can't find help here within your connect group, then there are counsellors. And then finally, if our band want to come up, we're talking about disappointment can be overcome. You identify it, you include others, and then you have to live differently. There's a saying that definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. If you want to overcome disappointment, the simple thing is you're going to have to change some things. If you failed a test, maybe you had a big test coming up and or you had a big test and the results came back and they weren't what you expected, it just means change. Maybe you've been burning the candle at both ends. You've been too much social and not enough study. It just means change. Overcoming disappointment, you know what? You're just going to have to bring change. Maybe for those who are, here who are trying to fall pregnant and we're not talking about there being a medical issue, but sometimes the first thing often doctors will say is, You need to lose weight. And sometimes I've even said you need to change job because the job you're in is stressful. It's not conducive for you falling pregnant. Maybe your marriage isn't so great. It's not how you thought wasn't what it could be. You need to live differently. Maybe what God is saying to you is, you know what? Stop living for you. Maybe start giving a little bit. Start turning the other cheek, realizing, you know what? I'm not going to retaliate with that. I'm not going to say this. I don't know what it is for you. I'm just saying these are just options. Or maybe parenting. You're really struggling. One of your kids, maybe living differently for you is create some time. One of the best strategies we uh, Tony gave me when Geordie got to a certain age, was, you know what, just go before she went to bed, I'd just go and I would lay on her bed and just talk. It's a great time of just doing life one to another. Nothing. sometimes it's just your day, nothing. And other times, great conversations of where she could just open up and I would get an insight as to what's going on, which meant I could then have tools to be able to help her. So coming weeks and days, okay, I can't know what, what that's all about. But you know what? I had to live differently. With before, where you'd be living flat out until bedtime, then quick, 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 toilet teeth, bed, go, night, God bless you, blah, 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 blah. See ya. I'm going down and watch my TV. No, I had to live differently. Had to make a change. Okay, you know what? We're starting half an hour earlier, starting to get the kids ready for bed, starting to do that. Okay, I've got the time there. You If you want to overcome disappointment, then you may have to... Live differently. So not only may you have to change some things, what about counting your blessings? It's about time us Christians started looking at what we do have and not focusing on what we don't have. Because there's lots we do have. Yeah, there's a few things we don't, but you know what? There's lots that we do have. Or even put a positive spin on it. For those of you who are struggling, with uh, trying to fall pregnant, The positive spin, you know what, I've got opportunity now to work on my relationship with my partner. Just more and more time of just you and I, for us to get ready to work out. Because when number three or the third party comes along, there's going to be change and stretch in our relationship. And if we can spend some time, more time together, let's put a positive spin on it. This is about you and I working on things. Or if you're single, you're not married yet, you know what, still a great opportunity. You've got more time, time you can invest time you can invest in others, time you can invest in church, time you can spend with God, things you can do. You can always put a positive spin on it. I'm not making light of your situation. I'm not saying, well, it's okay for you, you know, disappointment. I'm saying, no, you know what, some change. You can put a positive spin on it. It won't change your circumstance, but I guarantee it will change your processing of disappointment. And when the next month comes and you're still not pregnant, when you're working through that, you're saying, you know what, God, I'm putting a positive spin on it and this is just more time for me and my husband or more time for me and my wife or if it's um, your marriage issues or whatever it is for you, just put a positive spin on it. John 16:33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus never said it was going to be a-okay. There is never a way for us to have a philosophy that says I'm a Christian now, I should never be disappointed. You know what? You're human. You will be disappointed. You have expectations. You'll be disappointed. But take heart because Jesus said, trouble's coming. But take heart because I have overcome the world. We're all going to face disappointment. Disappointment isn't the problem. Disappointment is just simply a fact of life. But we need to learn how to process our disappointment so that disappointment won't sideline us from the great things that God has planned for us. And what I've learned is if I don't deal with disappointment, then disappointment will deal with me. And as I hand back to Tony, I just want to remind you, disappointment is not all bad. Disappointment is unique to you. Disappointment is a breeding ground. And disappointment can be overcome. And I want to leave you with this encouragement by an author unknown. It says, don't let today's disappointment cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams. You know what? Life happens, disappointment happens, but life happens and there are dreams again tomorrow. And my heart is that no matter what your disappointment, God sees, God knows, God cares, and He doesn't want you to let today's disappointment cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams because He knows the plans He has for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future.